0: Hey podcast listeners, this is Prasanna Adavi, your host. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast tells me that you are a fan of Microsoft Project or at the very least a regular user. However, do you remember the last time you discussed Microsoft Project with somebody? Do you remember their reaction? Yes, I know. For some reason, Microsoft Project has earned an unique reputation of being and easy to use software, but at the same time also the most confusing product. So in this episode, I have decided to bring in an expert that might help dispel some of the misconceptions about Microsoft Project.
1: A big mistake is not using Microsoft Project all the way through the project management life cycle.
0: That is Dale Howard. The name should be very familiar to you if you are in the project community. He is a director of education at Sensei Project Solutions, a prominent Microsoft Project expert, author, trainer, and a consultant. In today's episode, Dale and I discuss some of the common mistakes people do while using Microsoft Project and then end up not liking the tool at all. So enjoy!
1: Welcome to the MS Project Podcast, the essential source for news and information on everything Microsoft Project, EPM and PPM.
0: Hi, Dale. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much for accepting the invite for this podcast recording. I know it's pretty late for you on a weekday.
1: My pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: I'm pretty sure, but there's nobody who works in the Project Server or pro Microsoft Project world, and who doesn't know your name. Uh, but for for anybody who doesn't know you, uh, can you just introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: Persona, thank you for asking me. Uh, my name is Dale Howard. Um, a couple honors that I've had in my life. I'm currently one of about 63. Microsoft Project Most Valuable Professionals, or MVPs, Um, 63 of us all around the world. Um, I'm also the co-author currently of now 19 books on Microsoft Project and Project Server, and I live in a west suburb of St. Louis, Missouri called Wildwood.
0: Wildwood. (laughs) Is it as wild as the name sounds?
1: Well, i describe it as the wilds of Wildwood, but we're out at the very west end of the city metroplex, so I'm pretty likely to see things like deer and bunny rabbits and, you know, heaven knows what out. We have woods right behind
0: our house. (laughs) That that is very interesting. Very nice. Thank you. Um, Now, let me take you back when you were uh, just getting started in the whole... uh, Project Management, Microsoft Project. So how did you even stumble upon Microsoft Project or whatever it was called back when you started?
1: Oh, excellent. Yeah, interesting question. Uh, Back in the year 1997, I was hired by a company in Kansas City called um, Farmland Industries to join their technical education group we were responsible for doing all of the training for the entire corporation on Microsoft Office products plus GroupWise plus the internet and when I joined the TechEd team, um, everybody in the team was a product specialist in something like Joy was the expert on Word, Renee was the expert on PowerPoint and so I asked the group, so what do you want me to be the expert on and they said nothing we want you to be a generalist well that kind of hurt my feelings because it's like well everybody else gets to be an expert so good fortune befell me when one evening i was sitting out on my deck and my next door neighbor morris who worked for farmland petroleum saw me up on my deck and and he came to the fence and said hey dale i need to talk to you So I got down off the deck and walked over, and he said, does your tech ed team teach Microsoft Project classes? And I said, no, we don't. Should we? And he said, yep, absolutely. He said, I've got a group of petroleum sales managers who can use Microsoft Project to manage their client contact work, because he said every time they talk to a new farmer's co-op, they're going to go through between 30 and 35 steps, and each of those steps can be tracked in a Microsoft project plan, and at the end of the steps, we'll either have a new customer or we don't. So he said, and I said, well, how about this, Morris? How about uh, you give me 30 days, I'll learn the software, and we'll start having classes. The thing that's funny, Prasanna, is I taught maybe a grand total of five classes over the next three years. There just wasn't that much training. Okay. But good fortune befell me again at the end of those three years when um, my, father, my poor father-in-law in Denver, Colorado, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and my wife and I needed yeah. to move to Denver to help him. And a company that did Microsoft Project Training and Consulting hired me in Denver, Colorado to join their team. And what I thought was going to be a temporary job for a year or two until I went back to maybe teaching Excel classes turned into a career that I never
0: expected. (laughs) Isn't that how almost all of us got into Microsoft Project? Yeah, we become, I think a lot of people
1: become accidental project managers. Right. And in my case, I became an accidental Microsoft project and project server trainer and consultant. <laughs>
0: Based on what I know of your career, a majority of your body of work was done while you were at um, Project Experts, MS Project yeah. Experts. Yes, correct. So how did you chance upon that company and how was that journey? Give us a little bit of story on that.
1: Oh, there's, listen, man, I got a story about everything. How many hours <laughs> do you have? I'm just teasing. No, um, and here was another stroke of good fortune. Um, I spent about a year as an independent Microsoft project and uh, project server trainer and consultant, but I was running out of work at the very time that Gary Sheffitz was launching his new company, MS Project Experts. And I was trying to find a job by answering questions in what were called the Microsoft Project and Project Server news groups back in those days. And I started answering questions every day, because I'm looking for a job, see? So I'd answer questions in the morning, at noon, and after supper, actually in the afternoon, and then after supper in the evening. And I did that for six weeks in a row, and Gary Sheffetz read all of my responses, and he said... This guy not only knows what he's talking about, he knows how to write, because all my answers are do this, step one, step two, step three. Gary hired me, and my first job was to help him write um, the book for project managers on Project Server 03, and then, um, surprisingly, he also wanted me to help write the book for administrators, even though I didn't feel like I was technical enough to do it, and discovered I was, and between Gary and I uh, the two of us co-authored 17 books on Microsoft project and project server so I owe much to him for giving me the opportunity
0: that that's that's really amazing i think that i have or until recently had your project server 2003 book oh wow yeah so when 2013 got released i thought it would be that that would be a good time to get rid of that book
1: yep I, I can't blame you if somebody wants help with project server 03 the immediate help we should give them is you need to upgrade exactly <laughs> I don't even
0: remember how those things work anymore oh so, boy I wouldn't yeah. I would not remember myself truthfully uh, <laughs> and and uh, the, the other thing you brought up was is how you answer questions in the forums to this date your answers are the most are the most detailed answers among everybody you can take that and make it into a quick reference guide
1: well You know, Prasanna, one of the things I decided to do way back when, when I was actually trying to use the news groups to get a job, is I made um, three rules for myself. One was, I wouldn't answer a question until I had researched the answer. Two, I would always be kind to people when giving an answer. Nobody needs to get feed up you know, in the news groups or public user forums. And then number three, if I ever broke rule number one and I got in a rush and gave an answer and it turned out to be wrong, I would immediately confess that I was wrong, apologize for the wrong answer or for any time I've wasted, and then correct it and give the absolutely correct answer. And I think it's served me really well and it's made me lots of friends all over the world.
0: Believe me, Dale, you made just followers purely based on your answers into the forums.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Very good. So that actually is a good segue into what we wanted to talk about, Dale, today, is the common mistakes that people make with Microsoft Project, and then... Hate it because it doesn't work the way they want it to work. I cannot even count the number of people who who say Project does weird things. They, it moves all their schedule, it moves all their numbers, all the all the work values without them understanding how. In fact, I was making a presentation uh, a couple of weeks weekends ago, and the unanimous feedback from the group was: we we want to use Project, but it is so so hard to use. Mm. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I was able to show them some tips and tricks. But Dale, I want to hear from you in your experience. What are the most common f- mistakes that people right off the bat start doing with project? Ah,
1: good, good. All right, so here are what I consider to be the five most common mistakes that Microsoft Project users will make. Number one, probably the biggest mistake of all, is treating and using Microsoft Project as if it were Excel. It isn't. It looks like Excel. There is some Excel-like functionality in it, but Microsoft Project is not Excel. It has its own best ways to use it, and those are not Excel ways. Now, that actually leads to number two, which is uh, a common mistake that people make in organizations that are going to buy Microsoft Project. They learn that it's part of the Microsoft Office suite of tools, and immediately they start thinking about Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel, and they assume that it's going to be intuitive and easy to learn how to use Microsoft Project so their users will not need training. Wrong! Microsoft Project, I tell all my students, is deep and wide, and it is not intuitive. And if somebody wants to get good with it and get good fast and avoid frustration, the best thing they can do is get training. Now, there are many competent companies out there that provide training, but getting training can be a big time saver and frustration reducer for people learning to use my Microsoft Project. The funny thing was, speaking of training, this class I had last week in suburban Houston, I had three or four very experienced Microsoft Project users who were required to go through the training and they were really pushing back, you know, in the couple weeks before the training. They didn't think they needed to be there. Well, guess what? During the training, they started asking questions, and then during breaks, they were asking my advice. So I think they quickly discovered that training can benefit a user at any level, but the people it really benefits are the beginners. Um, number three. Here's another big one, and I've seen this over my career. Um, a big mistake is not using Microsoft Project all the way through the project management life cycle from initiating to closing. What I've seen a number of project managers do is they plan the task list, they do a nice job maybe of linking tasks, putting summaries in, putting in milestones and so forth, and then they stop. And those users are the ones that will usually open with the words, I need to make a Gantt. And what they're really describing is they want to just get a printout of a Gantt chart that looks like their project. Okay, So they stop before they really harness the power. And then um, another one is they don't use resources. If we don't use resources, it's hard to keep track of work. It's hard to know if we can get jobs done on time. Do we have enough people? How much is it costing us? How can we weight our projects one against another? You know, so, um, you know, not using it all the way through the life cycle, especially not putting resources in. So, uh, and now, here, here's the last one, and this is a killer, and it goes right back to the, the very first thing I talked about manually typing start dates and finish dates. Big mistake. That's Excel behavior. In Microsoft Project, we need to let the software tell us the schedule. We only set constraints when we need them, but the problem is if we type start dates and finish dates manually, Microsoft Project sets a constraint on every task. Right. So those are the big five, Persona. Those are the things I've seen
0: fantastic again i concur with all of those generally when i uh, start my training classes um, i i kind of go through a similar list and tell them it is like buying a ferrari and using it for grocery shopping ooh <laughs> yep so Good point. that's 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 how if you use it like excel that's what it is the project is for a very specific job um, and the and the schedule is not a static uh, list of things that you need to do. It's a model. It's a model of reality uh, that you and so that you can use it to predict your future with the, with the as far as a project goes uh, and make decisions based on it.
1: Yeah, so. beautiful. When I, when I was in college, I started out as a math and computer science major. Right. And that really has impacted me with Microsoft Project and some of the classes I've taught, not all of them, but some of them I actually describe a Microsoft project schedule as a model of reality. right it's it's like a you know it's like a computer model. And then when we begin entering progress, the model starts shifting and it starts showing us now here's what the future looks like because of what's happened in the past. And there is where we can make intelligent decisions.
0: That's absolutely right. So uh, let me kind of uh, ask you a tangential question on this one. In, In today's project management or anything, it seems like the focus is more on shorter sprints, so-called agile, mm-hmm. um, and um, and less complicated. Everything is being bundled under work management, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think a project schedule, a solid project schedule, still holds value in this kind of environment?
1: Yep, I think probably even more value. Um, I, I think work management... Uh, has its place in an industry um, to keep track fully of what people are doing outside of projects. But the truth is, um, without a tool like Microsoft Project to plan projects and manage them, I don't think the work management tools that are out there are going to give us the answers we want. They'll tell us what's happening now, but they won't tell us the future, what's coming. Which Microsoft Project would tell us, you know, for example, um, let's t- say that we have a well-crafted Microsoft Project schedule. We've applied the the critical path and the Gantt chart view, so we can clearly see which tasks can't slip. And then somewhere down the food chain on the critical path, a task slips five days. We know right now that the future of that project is. We will slip five days at least unless we step in and take some kind of remedial action, adding resources to effort-driven tasks or canceling work that isn't needed. But yeah, I I just think that uh, work management tools and Microsoft Project and Project Server will play nicely together, but each will provide a piece of the bigger work puzzle.
0: Very well so Very well put. Actually, that that actually clarified uh, a question I have had for many days. Um, where does project play in this today's world mm-hmm. of um, Jira and Asana and all that kind of work management tools? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so here is another question that has, that I have struggled with personally. So it seems like okay, we we both agree that project and project microsoft project is a very good scheduling tool maybe one of the the best or most user friendly out there um, but it always seems to me in all the implementations and all the people we talk to mastering microsoft project always seems to be a catching up game mm. right? so you, you you use it you i mean there's always something you have to learn or master with microsoft project mm-hmm. um, I think Microsoft also partly recognizes that when when they introduce the manually scheduled tasks, trying to make it more like Excel uh, and other few other features, I it felt to me that they were trying to reduce that learning cycle or learning curve, however we want to put it. What, what do you think about that learning curve that is required for Microsoft Project?
1: Yeah, you know, that that's a, a valid concern that almost anybody should have. Um, Microsoft Project, like every other project management tool, has a learning curve. Um, it's my conviction, though, after talking with Primavera users, that the learning curve for Primavera and mastering that is much steeper uh, and longer in duration uh, than it is with Microsoft Project. Now, um you know, when, we're, when our company does an implementation uh, for a client where they're going to introduce Microsoft Project and Project Server, uh, we stress very heavily that the project managers definitely need training. Uh, many of our clients uh, accept our guidance on that. That's why we're their partner. We're trying to tell them the truth, but we tell them, listen, this, this tool is not you know intuitive and there is a learning curve and it's not as steep as you if you get training. But the other thing we realize, Prasanna, is I can't come in and just do a two-day or a four-day training and then walk out of there and leave those project managers competent to use the tool uh, to do their job. So one of the things that we also heavily encourage our clients is to have one of our staff consultants on site for the first few months after the implementation, to begin advising, counseling, and helping the project managers to figure out, okay, now based on what I learn, how do I apply this to this project? And uh, so the reality is there is a learning curve with training. It's shortened. It's not as steep. Without training, when people are self-taught, hey, it's anybody's best guess how that's going to turn out.
0: So, so what? basically, what you're saying is there is there needs to be a plan for sustaining of the learning that happens in the initial training. There
1: you go. Yep, absolutely. Well, now, may, can I make a confession to our sure. audience about Microsoft Project? Sure. Um, I learn something new about the software nearly every week. And I've been doing this now um, since 1997. And yet, I still learn new things nearly every week. Um, I, I always tell people, this software is deep and wide, and none of us can possibly know everything. In fact, last week, one of my students asked me a question that I actually couldn't even answer. And it was a question nobody would ever asked me. And, you know, I, I had to do some research to find out the answer to that question. So uh, I learned something new, and I gave my class credit for teaching me that, and they all applauded.
0: Right, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think that's true with all of us. Uh, we nobody, none of us actually claim to be the hundred percent knowledgeable about project or project server. It's you learning.
1: And if we think we know everything, we're going to be humbled really quick the next time we learn something new. You know, so yeah.
0: it keeps me humble, man. Yeah, and just when you think you have learned all the important things, Microsoft come, come, comes up with a new version.
1: There you go. Yep. <laughs> so you yep. started all over again. We start all over, yep. So they've been announcing some new functionality this week, so I'm going to have to master all of that, Right. needless to say.
0: Alright. Um, as we start wrapping down this session, so let me ask you, Dale, we have talked about everything you like about Microsoft Project, right? Mm-hmm. G- tell me three things you don't like about Microsoft Project. Um,
1: okay, let, let me give you one big one instead of three. Okay. Um, my biggest complaint with Microsoft is bugs that really hamper the user, that I would like to see fixed sooner, um, you know. And, and I'm not one to, to to criticize harshly, but you know, one of the things that's bothered me about Microsoft Project for years is some of these um, bugs that make life much too difficult for project managers. And then we're having to come up with workarounds, you know, for them. Right. Um, I think that's probably my chief complaint. Um, and actually, no, let me move on to the very top of the list. This is my number one complaint about Microsoft Project. In the 2010 version, uh, Microsoft, to their credit, fixed a bug that was in the software in every version that I've ever used. And I actually confirmed that the bug was fixed. But the bug involves... Um, excuse me, the fix involves when you have a task that's fixed duration and then the user changes the work and the units are supposed to be recalculated. Or the task is fixed work and the user changes the duration and the units are supposed to be recalculated. Now in 2007 and earlier, we would see the new units value in the task form pane. But in 2010, part of the bug fix was to put the new unit's value in a column called peak, which the users can never see unless they go to task usage or resource usage and actually stick it in. That is my number one complaint, and that is not a bug. It is a design feature. That ended up leaving people confused, and nobody wins when users are confused. Oh, so I gave you two, man, and (laughs) that's my biggest one.
0: Okay, so I was able to wrangle two out of you, two features that you don't like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, uh, I think uh, for the peak feature you mentioned, there is a blog post from Microsoft that actually explains why they made the design choice, so I will probably post mm-hmm. that link into the podcast uh, posting. That'd be
1: great. So oh, be people, that'd be people, great if you did that, Prasanna. Absolutely.
0: Sure, people uh, can at least read about it and understand. It confused the heck out of me back when it was introduced.
1: I thought I thought it was a bug, yeah, yeah. and then I went look went and looked through my documentation for twenty ten and discovered no, it was a little one or two sentence. Uh, description of a bug fix, and I actually simulated the bug and discovered uh, in 2007, the bug was there. 2010, bug is gone. So to their credit, I'll give the kids credit, they fixed the bug, but to their discredit, they left confusion in its wake.
0: Right. I I can understand. All right. So we are at the end of the podcast. Um, So we will... uh, What I want to leave the users with Dale is one last question. Okay? Sure. Can you tell us one thing we don't know about you? Um,
1: yeah, okay. Um, I used to be a United Methodist minister. Um, I was a pastor in the state of Nebraska for 14 years. Um, I have a, a Master of Divinity degree from a seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Uh. pastored in Nebraska 14 years and honed all of my people skills teaching skills speaking skills writing skills uh, during those 14 years in the ministry but right.
0: see sentences. that's why that's why when you deliver a sermon people listen
1: the, there you go <laughs> yeah maybe so I just know how to speak in public and make people laugh occasionally you know and give good illustrations
0: I know I know I can watch for that well thank <laughs> you Thank you very much, Dale, for your time. So, we will uh, post all the links and everything we talked about, any relevant links, and Dale's your profile into the podcast uh, posting.